you would, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1, I'll meet you there in just one moment. It is certainly good to see everybody here tonight. Uh, at first I thought maybe we had a smaller crowd than normal, but I think we're about about right. Um, and uh, I, I want to apologize too, uh, my, my voice still is not quite up to par. Uh, Brother Rex, you know, he's he's the voice master for me, and so I... I had talked to him, and he said, you know, um, it, it seemed for me it, it you know, hung on for about a month of, of just this uh, uh, trouble with the voice, and uh, since then I have uh, named him Barnabas, uh, which means son of encouragement, so I'm thankful he's encouraged me, uh, and telling me, hey, you know, hey, it's going to be a while, but, you know, I, I appreciate I appreciate the brethren here being being uh, patient with me, patient with my voice, and I hope it returns um, returns back uh, to normal here before too long. Uh, Colossians chapter one. Uh, look at the first eight verses here tonight. It says Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, through the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ that are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, having heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have toward all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in the heavens, whereof ye heard before, and the word of truth of the gospel, which has come unto you, even as it also is in the, all the world, bearing fruit and increasing, as it doth in you also, since the days ye heard and knew the grace of God in truth, even as ye learned of Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, who also declared unto us of your love in the Spirit. So obviously, first thing that we notice here in chapter uh, chapter 1 and verse 1 is this. is It's Paul. Uh, Paul is writing along with Timothy. And they are obviously uh, writing to encourage the brethren here and to uh, help them uh, to continue the work. Now, uh, it says, verse 2, I find this interesting, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ that are at Colossae. It says the saints and what? Faithful brethren. Now, wait a second. Are you telling me? That a person can be a child of God and yet, yet not be a faithful brethren? Well, absolutely. Absolutely can a person be that way. You know, uh, it's, it's interesting to me to note. Now, I know that we've said this before and we're probably going to continue to say it until the world around us stops doing this. Uh, but, you know, we, we've, in the church, we do not preach once saved, always saved. We just don't do that. We don't preach that. That is not a doctrine of the Bible. But a lot of our brethren sure want to live that. They want to live that once saved, always saved. They want to be baptized into Christ, and they want to leave it right there. That's all they want to do. They want to just stop right there. They Forget Revelation 2 and verse 10. You know, be thou faithful unto death. Forget that. Because, see, now I can make myself feel better because I've been baptized into Christ. My sins 
have been forgiven. But brethren, we must remain faithful. Question, how does one become a faithful brethren, a faithful member of the Lord's church? How does a person do that? Is it simply by showing up? No, that's that's not it. You know, that, that's a good start, but that's not it. You know, what is it? How does a person become a faithful member of the body of Christ? And that is by simply doing what it says in the word of God. You need to follow the scriptures in order to be a faithful member of the Lord's church. Now, what about congregations? We've, we've heard people say this term. Well, that's a faithful congregation. What do we mean by that? Oh, much the same as what we're talking about now. I mean, I'll tell you right now, uh, I would not count a faithful congregation as one who participates in such things like children's church. I just wouldn't think that's right. Splitting up the assembly of God just so that some children can go off to class. And what about those people teaching? What about them? To me, that does not stand up to Hebrews 10. It just does not. So, I would not consider them faithful brethren. You know, there are congregations out there that bind things where they should not bind them. Are those people faithful brethren? No, those would not be faithful brethren. You cannot bind where God has not bound. And on the other hand, of something we mentioned just just before, you cannot loose where God has not loosed. We have to do what God says. God's word dictates whether we are faithful or not. No, we don't get to choose. We don't get to go around and, and, and point fig, fingers at people and say, oh, they're good. They're good and they're good and they're good. Because the Lord has already determined that. We can only follow God's word. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ that are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Now, this grace and peace, this is a common, common greeting in the Middle East. Uh, but it's normally done here in Hebrew. This is written in Greek, but this is a Hebrew greeting. Uh, and and you'll, you'll hear uh, from time to time uh, when you're watching a, a movie or watching the news even... Uh, now you'll hear uh, shalom being said. And, you know, I would butcher it in the Hebrew, but there's, there's other things to say with this. Uh, but the idea is simply, you know, grace and peace. Those two things. Those two things. That, that is the ultimate greeting to somebody because it is a greeting of well-being. Not only should you have grace... But also, isn't a wonderful thing to have peace in a person's life? Go through turmoil, you know exactly how that is. And we've all been there. And so this is the greeting that is given, grace and peace. Brethren, I hope that we all, all uh, have the same sort of attitude towards others. But not everybody has that attitude, I know. 
You know, you, you might know of people that they think uh, maybe they're a little better than others. And, you know, they, they approach people and they don't have this type of a greeting. Matter of fact, they may have quite the opposite sort of a thought process. You know, they don't care for your well-being. But Paul here and Timothy are showing this type of care and concern for others. That can care and concern for their well-being. Now, is that just a physical well-being? No. It's spiritual also. Verse 3, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Now, uh, I, I don't, I guess they still do this. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not up on my Catholicism. I don't know much about it. Uh, I know other uh, uh, religious groups have observed uh, the Eucharist. Now, the Eucharist is actually a biblical term. It is a, a phrase here, and we just read it. Right here, verse 3, we give thanks. We give thanks. It is Eucharist, uh, Eucharist umen is what it is. So, so this is a biblical term. Now, do people use that biblically? No. No, they don't. They don't use it. They just take in the Greek phrase here. But it simply means, hey, we give you thanks. Give you thanks. It says, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Now, that reminds me of 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17, doesn't it, you? Now, what is that? Pray without ceasing. You know, we should have this attitude of prayer that, that, you know, we want to pray for people all the time. And, and that is what this brother in Christ is saying to this congregation. He's saying, look, I, I'm always remembering you in my prayers. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had anybody, anybody come up to you without you asking for it? And they come and say, you know what? I've been praying for you. You had somebody do that to you? Well, if you haven't, you need that. You should. And maybe we need to work on that better here in this congregation. Maybe so. But those of you who have had someone come up and said, Hey, you know, I've been praying for you. Didn't that just make you feel great? Now, let me take that a step further. You're, we're thinking about Paul, Okay. We're thinking about a great gospel preacher has the Holy Spirit in a direct link here to God. And what does he say? I am praying for you. And I do it often. Always remembering you in prayer. Verse 4. Having heard... Of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which ye have toward all the saints. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Paul didn't see this firsthand. He's only heard about it. He didn't see it firsthand. That that makes a big difference, doesn't it? You know, how many times have we heard something and go, oh, yeah, whatever. You hear news stories and 
And you might have a little bit of a disconnect from those news stories. But not here. Not for Paul. He's heard of these brethren and he is, he is so happy for them. And he is praying for them because of all the things that he has heard. It says, having heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and, the kicker here, the love which ye have toward all the saints. Well, we need to love our brethren. Just as you know, he's commending this congregation for it. He's saying, look, uh, you are loving your brethren. You're loving all the saints. Not, not, just, uh, not just the ones you like the most. But, but everybody. You know, that is an interesting concept to me as well. Because I have heard brethren say, hey, um, you don't have to like your brethren. I have some concerns about that. Then they'll say this, and I'm, I'm not making this up. I'm telling you exactly what I've heard someone say. And they said, hey, um, you don't have to, number one, you don't have to like them. Uh, but number two, guess what? You can also avoid them. Avoid your brethren. So brother or sister so-and-so walks into the building, and you see them. And you, you can ignore them? Now let me ask you something. If that is true, how is that building up the body of Christ? Man, you know, I can't see how it would. It can't. You know, um, I'm pretty sure that I knew kids in school that were treated this way. And you know, I actually knew of somebody who committed suicide from being treated this way. Now, brethren, <laughs> I think logically we understand this. But biblically, is that acceptable? Is it acceptable to avoid your brethren? Is it acceptable to ignore your brethren? Absolutely not. As we see here, the commendation is the love which these brethren had for the saints, for all the saints, not just the ones that they favored, but everybody. That is the same type of love that we need to have for each other. You know, look, I understand. There are people that you like more than others. I get that. We're human. That's natural. We have people that we gravitate toward. You know, um, you, you know, you. There's a problem with this, though. Okay, let me let me. We're, we're a family, right? We're a family. The Lord's church is a family. Let me ask you something. Um, when you have children, is it healthy to tell uh, your children, well, you know, so-and-so is my favorite. That's my favorite child. You know, and, you know, what would happen to a family that had a favorite child? Well, I, you know, I don't know of any examples of that. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. There's quite a few examples in the Bible, aren't there? Of people who showed favoritism. Do you remember a guy named Joseph? 
Do you think he was shown favoritism? His brothers loved him, right? Man, they loved him. Loved him so much, they loved him into a pit. You know, it's just, that's not healthy. Now, it's okay for you to gravitate towards a person. It's not okay to give them preferential treatment. Brethren, you might, as a parent, get along better with one of your children than others. But that does not make it acceptable to treat them as if they are the best and ignore the rest. And so when it comes to the family of God, you know, that's the same thought process. We don't need to look at one person and say, this is my favorite person and and this is who I'm going to gravitate toward and, and I'm going to ignore everybody else. It's okay to have friends. But don't ignore your brethren. Now I'll tell you, it gets harder in bigger congregations. I know that. You know, we, we get to talking and before you know it, you know, we're having to move on and people are leaving and, you know, hey, I understand. But when we haven't talked to somebody in a while... We need to make it a point to go out of our way and talk to them, encourage them, and make them feel as special as we can. That is how we can love each other. You know, getting to know people. You know, talk to them. Verse 5. Because of the hope which is laid up for you in the heavens, whereof... He heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. So, so where is their hope? Yeah, their hope is heaven. Man, I hope I get to heaven. Is that what that is? No, the hope of heaven is not, oh, I hope I get there. But it is a longing expectation. You desire it, and you are expecting it. Now, how can you do that? How can you have a longing expectation of heaven? Well, by what we already talked about, being faithful. Be a faithful member of the body of Christ, and you will have a hope of heaven. So they have this hope of heaven, and they've learned it by the truth of the gospel. You know, I'm just a a little tidbit here. Uh, You know, sometimes people go, well, you know, you've you've got a, uh, you've got, you know, your your four kids and and they actually all of them, um, you know, have Greek names and that's why some of, some of them have weird names I guess if you want to just point it out like that, and so I've had so many times someone will say well, uh, Alasia how do you say that I say, well it's Alathea, where in the world did you get that name well it it's right here in the scriptures we just read over it. And it is there the truth, the truth of the gospel, the truth. Brethren, we need to speak the truth. And that's really the whole reason, you know, uh, that, that, you know, we wanted, you know, or at least I, I wanted and I know my wife wanted, wanted this, but this was kind of my, my motivation 
was, you know, I wanted a, a, a child, and first child at that, that not only I would hope would tell the truth, but would definitely be about the truth of God's word. And I hope all my children do that. Brethren, I hope that we are not only wrapped up in the truth, but we're trying to teach others to be wrapped up in the truth, whether that's our children, our friends, our neighbors, or maybe even strangers. We need to teach the truth. You know what? When we teach the truth and people follow the truth, not only does the church grow, but it sheds a great light on the community. It does. Verse 6, which has come unto you, this is the truth of the gospel, even as it is, uh, as it is also in all the world bearing fruit and increasing as it doth in you also, since the day ye heard and knew the grace of God in truth. So I, I like this idea here. Uh, bearing fruit and what? And increasing. That is exponentially. You know, increasing in, uh, in the truth, in teaching the truth. Brethren, we are in need of bearing fruit. We need to show, and this is one of the words here that this can be translated, this actually can be translated as uh, to produce a crop. Now, I'm not a farmer, and uh, I, you know, I have spent very little time on a farm. Uh, when I say that, I stood on a field once for five minutes. So that's about as much time as I've spent on a farm. Um, but while I was there, uh, I, I got to learn a little something. And this guy had just been uh, producing wheat. And he was explaining to me, and you know what, I can't even remember all the details, but he was explaining to me about, you know, the cultivation process. You know, going through and making sure that the land's ready, and, and then once the land's ready, and they go out and they seed it, and then they water it, and they actually seed different fields at different times. And, you know, I, he was going through this whole process, and then, of course, at the time, he was, he was harvesting it. And he's, he's explaining all these things to me, and... And he says, you know, uh, really, every crop will bring forth something. And I said, like, well, that's, you know, it's not what I've heard. I mean, he even told me, you know, they had insurance on their crop. And if you're not familiar with that, basically, if, if something happens to that crop, they've, they've got insurance on, that, on the whole field, and they get paid back for, for their loss. And so I was like, well, you know, you even got insurance here. And he says, well, you know what? Um, even if this dies off, it still gives back to this field, you know, to where we can replant again. There's always produce here. But you know what? <laughs> where does the best produce come? And it comes from planting and watering. Just constant care. Well, that thought 
you know, has occurred to me since and said, you know, hey, look, you, you've got brethren, and they are to bear fruit with their lives. How much of a shame it would be for the only benefit of someone would be that the production that they gave at their death. You know? Or all they were was a tool for everybody else to see. Just just at the end of life. Oh, I don't need to be like that. Don't need to be like that person or you know, they, they had very little little outcome, you know, throughout their throughout their life. But brethren, we have this given to us as an example that not only can we bear fruit, but we can increase in bearing fruit. But just like producing a crop, you know, it takes some effort. Now, we, we, we can't just get there by sitting on a couch and doing nothing. Uh, we don't, as much as we might like this to happen, we don't. We don't get it through osmosis. We can't lay on our Bible and absorb it all. We just can't do that. We can't just surround ourselves with it like a language and finally get it one day. No, we have to put effort into it. We have to study. We have to work at it. It's a daily thing. Verse 7, Even as you learned of Epaphras... Our beloved fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. Now when you look at Epaphras, Epaphras is not very well known within Scripture. There's just a few references here. Uh, but he did know Paul. He knew Paul. And how do we know that he knew Paul? Well, not only does Paul mention him here. He mentions him in chapter 4 of, of Colossians. And, and explains to us in uh, so many words that, well, Epaphras is going around from city to city. And he's also coming back to Paul and spending time with Paul and kind of giving him a report of the things that are going on. As a matter of fact, uh, we see that uh, Epaphras is also uh, mentioned in Philemon as being a fellow prisoner. And it's thought that he wasn't really a prisoner necessarily, but that he was there so often with Paul visiting with him that it was as if he were literally Prisoned with Paul, but he was a prisoner for sure of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, not much is known about Epaphras, but we know that he was an encourager and we know that he was a worker and we know that he was faithful. Now, that brings another thought to my mind. Um, you know, there, there are, you know, positions in, in the church, if you will, you know, offices that, that a person might hold. You know, we think of elders and deacons. Uh, we may think of preachers even. Uh, think of maybe even song leaders, you know, where, you know, people that are out front and doing things and so many times there are people who say, you know, that's what I desire, not for the motivation of doing that to serve the Lord, but 
Well, doing that to be seen. Well, obviously that's not right. But it's interesting to me that there are people who are serving the Lord that, you know, even in Scripture, they're not well known. And how many people have gone unnamed? You know, I've heard from from so many preachers. Um, I've heard B.J. Clark say this. Um, I've heard um, Dan Winkler say this. I've heard several gospel preachers that are fairly well known. They said the same thing. And they said, look, um, I am thankful to come and preach gospel meetings. But you know, do you know who makes the most uh, uh, impact on congregations? That's uh, the local preacher. You know, and he said, I've seen some local preachers at some small congregations that I think have done more good in their lifetime than I ever will. And you know what, uh, brethren, we don't know their names. And even within the congregation here, there are people here that have jobs and do their jobs but maybe they're not known for doing that job. But you know what? None of that matters, does it? It doesn't matter, you know, if everybody gives us the recognition that it may be deserved. But you know what? In the end, we should all do what we do because we love the Lord. Because we want to serve Him. We're not here to serve ourselves, to give ourselves recognition, but to serve the Lord God and Him only. Even as you learned of Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, who is, here again, a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf who also declared unto us your love in the spirit you know I, I know I've heard it there's a there's a man here that that knows the passage very well and and reminds us often I'm thankful uh, for our brother Warren Pemberton and always reminding us of Ephesians 4 and verse 3 you know we, we need to Give diligence to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Brethren, it is it is important for us to have unity and unity of the Spirit at that and definitely having that in the bond of peace. When we look at this passage here, Epaphras has said something of his congregation to Paul and Timothy. He's declared unto them that they have love, and they have that in the Spirit. Love in the Spirit. Brethren, I hope we have that same kind of love. That's the love that comes from a study of the Scriptures. And wholly wanting to follow that. And searching out the things in our lives 
that keep us from being faithful, making things right with the Lord, and helping others get to heaven. Maybe this night that there's someone here that would like to respond to the invitation. You have that opportunity in just one moment. Maybe you've not yet become a Christian. We'd love for you to become a Christian tonight. Maybe you just need some prayers. We'd be glad to pray for you. Uh, maybe you just you need to, uh, to uh, repent of something publicly. We'd be glad for you to do that too. Uh, whatever the case is, we'd love for you to, uh, to make things right with the Lord and with the congregation here as we stand and as we sing. surrender all.